Hey there, this is Adam. You're listening to District Conversations, and today we're talking to Nicole Gray, manager of the Tower Building. So Nicole, is there a date set for the Tower Building to launch? Um, we're having our first official viewings from the 20th of March, um, and then we're going to have a launch event at the beginning of April. Okay, very good. So yeah, it's been it's been fairly rapid how how fast it's it's come about. Uh, absolutely, yeah, astonishingly fast. Um, like the team who are working on the redesign of the building have been almost ruthlessly efficient in the way they're operating but it has yeah in less than a year um, I've seen that space go from a vacant shell to what is a cultural focal point of Dublin City at the moment so that is huge yeah. so you got high hopes for the place I do yeah, yeah. of course I do I think yeah. it would be hard to take on the role of manager and not have really high aspirations for what the space could be um, and hopefully will be with the right energy put into it so could you give us a rundown of how your how ideally things are going to go, what it's going to be like, uh, how, how it's going to end up. Um, so when we open on the 20th, when people first come in for those viewings, they'll walk into the ground floor and it will be a gallery and event space. Um, so we actually have our first gallery uh, exhibition will be happening slightly before the official opening of the building. Um, so that is going to be the ground floor, all public facing, so members of the public are welcome to walk into that space. That's great. Uh, there'll also be uh, Anna, our receptionist. She'll be sitting at the desk there, or she'll be moving around the room and really available just to talk to people. And then when you go up to the first floor, it's our co-working, the beginning of that space. And how many floors do you have? Uh, there's the ground floor, the first floor, and the second floor, which is like serviced offices slash high-end studios. We also have a rooftop space and a basement. Uh, we're in the early stages of talks with the urban farm run by Andrew Douglas oh, wow. to take over the roof space. So a garden or a vegetable patch? Um, or? Yeah, a functioning a micro farm, essentially. Okay. Uh, more for education and workshop purposes than actually you know, meeting yeah. any produce demand. You want pigs living on the roof or anything like that? No, no, but he did have chickens uh, when he was previously raised on the roof of the chocolate factory. He told a very funny story this morning about how each of his chickens was picked off by a particularly aggressive seagull that actually attacked and killed all the chickens that were there. So if we have chickens on Tower Street roof, it will be, uh, they'll be in a coop and safely. You need a a chicken security guard. Yeah, exactly. Chicken bouncer. They're horrible. We were walking through town (laughs) earlier and yeah, they're just... They're so big. Yeah, I feel like they get bad press, but then when I heard that story about one seagull specifically attacking chickens, I was yeah. like, no, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> take pigeons any day. Yeah, yeah. So then what sort of activities do you have going on, ideally, in, um, in the tower building? In terms of the people that will come in or what we will be doing um, ourselves? Well, I heard that you have a, you're setting up a screen printing workshop. We are, yeah. Apollo Print is going to be on the second floor and that will be managed by Jordan McQuaid. Um, that is up on the second floor and that's going to be, again, publicly accessible, not just for members, but actually inviting people in to do workshops and classes. Um, so that will be targeted towards beginner printers and also those with a bit of a background uh, in the arts who want to come in and refine their skills. Cool. Um, we'll also have a gallery space um, on the ground floor slash event space. We're speaking to Hunt and Gather about a private event there. And we're getting different kinds of interest, like the Dublin Photography Festival are looking at renting it, possibly partnering with us. And there's a few different groups who we're speaking to at the moment. Uh, we'll also have a social programme, which will account for morning yoga classes, uh, photography classes, 
and then depending on how the urban farm develops on the roof also inviting people in to do like different activities there different workshops and learning about growing and micro farms and that kind of thing okay great so it sounds it sounds like it's not going to be one particular Thing. It's going to be a lot of it's different things to a lot of people. It's going to be quite fluid, particularly yeah. at the beginning. Uh, we're really defining ourselves by what comes into the space at this point, and then that is how an identity will be formed for the space. So as yet, we're not nailed down as any one particular thing. We're completely open to forming dialogues with lots of different groups. And I, I, that's something as well that you're, you're, you're kind of trying to develop in the people that come in like a sense of fluidity so I was talking to Jordan recently and he said um, there's going to be a, it, it's going to be quite encouraged to be it's like open workspaces mm. so if someone is working on a project and they need a cartoonist or uh, an illustrator or something like that yeah. there might be an illustrator sat next to them exactly. and they could say hey could you give me a hand with this or you know yeah for me one of the most exciting things about the space is the potential for dialogue between different creative practitioners I know from working in Block T previously that for me going into that space as someone who had been working in isolation it just opened me up to these like a spectrum of different conversations about the way your practice could go the way certain aspects of a project could develop and even just that energy of uh, a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds all being excited about seeing their work progress and develop in a particular direction uh, that is something that I would be really excited to see happen in Tara Street and we will have weekly group crits where anyone who would like to can take part and they put their work forward for a group crit- constructive criticism uh. from the rest of the people in the space and hopefully that would help with that okay so you mentioned um, Block T. That was in Smithfield, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've never actually seen it, but I heard about it when it closed. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you... So if you were involved in that previously. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little about the kind of... the cultural landscape of Ireland and, like, how how easy is it for creatives in Ireland these days to, to work and to find work? Um, I think it's quite you meet so many challenges so early on in your career that a lot of creatives don't even you know they don't really have their practice take on much of a shape before they're forced to stop like a lot of people are already working a second job to fund their practice and that in itself your second job becomes your only financial resource and you never get to develop what you project or uh, any project or style you're developing you don't get to invest your time in that I think our literally our, our arts programme funding is one of the lowest in Europe. So that in itself filters down to arts institutions not being able to pay their staff. There's an internship culture which is expected. And, you know, how would an institution pay its staff if they themselves aren't receiving any funding? So I think it's very difficult and you meet a lot of hurdles early on. And it's nearly... Um, just sheer willpower that that is sustaining people so hopefully a space like the tarot building would open up um, the possibility of people entering into a space where they can facilitate their work on an ongoing basis mm. um, I think the cultural landscape of Ireland there's a really good grassroots push at the moment um, you're seeing nearly a cyclical thing of projects starting up again where Block T started off as very grassroots underground, became an established institution and then financially had to be able to sustain itself and unfortunately wasn't able to. Mm. Things like galleries being the subject of rents and rates the same way a commercial enterprise is, that really, uh, 
that really cuts down on your ability to be a financially viable uh, but also culturally valuable space because you have to focus solely on your ability to generate revenue in order to keep going and that just that become eventually has to become your only concern um, so I think it's it's hard enough um, to, to sustain yourself as an individual or an organization at the moment yeah and there's there's always the option of emigration which yeah. is you know you look at cities like Berlin or I've heard Munich as well mm. is, is it's just so much cheaper. There's yeah. so much more going on. It's just less of a... It seems like less of a stressful place to live as as a creative. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's nearly the default when people, uh, they've gone to college and now they've graduated and they're finding it really, really hard to sustain themselves in Dublin. So your immediate reflex is to start looking abroad at other co- other countries uh, who do have well-financed cultural programs and you would have the more of an ability to sustain yourself in those places things like the rent crisis hugely impact on people's ability to have any kind of creative practice yeah uh dublin is in a bit of a state yeah as as is now without i'd say the government if they can just ignore you know homeless people on the streets they will then arts funding things like that it's going to be kind of second nature yeah yeah and I think um, there's a lot to be said for staying as well. Like it's heartbreaking to see so many people leaving Dublin because it's, it's a place that I love and there's so much, even its scaldiness is something that has its charm. I think that that kind of works its way into a lot of, um, into a lot of the art that comes out of Dublin as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even the fact that uh, the, the chimneys, the Poolbeg Towers are such a focal point for artistic work. Yeah. It's a massive derelict building that's sinking into the sea that we yeah. adopted as our icon. Even that says a lot. And even if you go out there and visit it, it smells like shit. Stinky. It's yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's something I find really interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of only happened in the last year or two, or I've only noticed it in the last year or two, where if you go into any design shop in Dublin, every, you can get tea towels, aprons, prints, anything with the pigeon pipes on it. Yeah, it's mad. And yeah. it, it, for me, it's strange that that doesn't translate into more of a like, well, what are we doing with those towers then? And I know there are uh, plans to have those towers redeveloped as a tourist site, but it's just so far in the future. Yeah. It's so long term and requires such massive finance. Um, and you do have videos and imagery online of people who've literally just walked in under the barrier and had a walk around. Yeah. But if you wanted to do that officially, there's so much red tape and you know insurance there, and that kind of thing. There was a guy who actually climbed it up to the top of one of the really? chimneys recently. Um, I think he's English or French, maybe. And he's one of these guys who does these urban exploration. Mm. And um, yeah, he does the thing where he leans out over and it's it's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, nerve-wracking. But yeah, I read or I heard recently that they were talking about knocking them down and Mm. doing something with them and people got so annoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they even said they wanted to paint them. Mm. Paint them, just repaint them the red and white, and I don't know. People didn't want that either. Yeah, That's maybe, they, maybe not, or maybe it just never happened. Yeah, you know? yeah. There is. Um, they're looking at turning them into two big tourist viewing platforms. So the ideal focus is that tourists would come in, get a lift to the top, similar to uh, what's in the Jemison factory in Stockfield. Okay. That you get a lift up to the top and you get a panoramic view. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, I think there's a much more valuable cultural use that isn't just in terms of the tourists coming along, paying in and going up to the top of the chimney. Like, there's so much more that could be happening. Yeah. Tate Britain is in an old uh, pump house, massive industrial disused pump house, and that is one of that has been generating massive profits for the city of London. So. Yeah, I'm sure, um, like, the pipes themselves are iconic, but I'm sure that entire kind of area down there is just full of yeah. disused buildings yeah. even up at the three arena there's like so, tens yeah. tens of buildings with they're just vacant yeah. you know and yeah. someone owns them someone probably wants to do something with them and make money with them mm. but it's not made easy to yeah it's, for it, to happen. it makes more financial sense for someone to sit on a vacant property than it does for them to redevelop it yeah and um, so that in itself is just totally Bonkers. Yeah, especially with big apartments going mm, up around. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And they're probably just thinking three years' time this will be. Yeah, someone will want to buy this off me for a multi million figure. So yeah. I'll wait until then, and they can. Um, okay, so I realised now halfway through this that I never asked you to uh, to introduce yourself or to ah. talk talk about <laughs> yourself a little. So um, yeah, would you be able to just um, tell us how you came to be involved with the tower building and what your background is? Yeah. Um... So I came to be involved in the tower building because I had graduated from an arts management degree in DIT, sat on the dole, holding out to like fit, crossing my fingers and working really hard to get a job relative to, to my degree, uh, which turned out to be a very difficult thing to do. Um, got a job relative to my degree, ended up setting up a project called In Place with a few other people. Um, and then, Part of the ethos of that project, it was very clear its motivations were to create space for the arts within vacant buildings, which Dublin is littered with. Um, we did that very successfully out of the Tara building, what is now the Tara building. Um, for three months in the summer of 2016, we took it over, transformed it into a gallery space, ran several events out of it and had our closing exhibition with speakers who spoke about different policy initiatives on the reuse of space in other European countries. Over the course of that three months, I had several conversations with the owner of that building, who was looking at redeveloping it as, as a co-working space, modelled on what he'd seen in London and Berlin, but wanted it to be different from the mainstream of co-working spaces in Dublin in that it would have some kind of social ethos. And so out of those conversations grew the role of me becoming manager of that building when it opened and having a shaping role in how it, it would be introduced to Dublin. Um, so that was that's what put me where I am now. Uh, it was a very organic process of just finding a common interest and a place where we had a mutual, uh, there was a mutual benefit to be gained for ourselves, but also in creating a culturally valuable, financially sustainable model for reusing, reusing a vacant building. So the whole, the, the idea behind it, first of all, it's, it's a bit mad that a private you know, a private business or building owner has yeah. to come along and say, I want to do this. Mm. And it's not being, you know, financed by mm. arts funding or anything like that. So the, the thing behind it is it's sustainable. It's not profit making. Um, well, that it would turn a profit. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah because but it's not, it's not like, let's, let's, uh, get all the artists in one place and get as much out of them yeah exactly yeah. exactly like there's there's an integrity to the space as well where it's not uh it's not sterile we want to facilitate people's practice and see them grow with the building yeah you know as long we're 
we're flourishing as long as the people in the space are. So do as much as we can to facilitate those that are there and yeah, with us from the start. And so you're working on a scholarship program as well. We are, yeah. That is a really interesting part of the space is that we're going to be offering a scholarship and incubation scheme on a rolling basis. So if somebody has a project or practice that would particularly benefit from a space like the Tower Building, that they can apply to us through our website and we will select someone to come in and just use the space for free for three months. And that means access to our social program as well. Um, just to get people up and running. It's so You meet so many hurdles so early on in your career as an artist or creative practitioner that a lot of people are out of the game before they even really began. So this yeah. is just a way of taking in either arts-focused creatively motivated or with some tangible social impact mm -hmm. those are the projects we'd be focusing on um, and from people who are still trying to find their feet in a way and just need a base to come in and get work done and make themselves sustainable and do you have a board or a panel who decides on what um, what group or what individual um, should avail of this scholarship yeah, it'd be referred to a three-person panel who between them would kind of chew up chew over who was the most uh, who was the most likely to use the space to the maximum benefit uh, that they could so for instance we might get proposals in who just wanted a free desk and we could see well you're very well able to sustain yourself um, in other terms so you don't necessarily need this space but just someone who genuinely has a great idea and needs the space to make it happen and do you have any um, I'm guessing there's no kind of age limitations on, no, no, on this no, not really um, and yeah. I think anyone who can pay for the space will. Yeah. Um, even just on a very basic level, why would you take that away from somebody who would be benefiting from it so massively? And it would become apparent quite quickly if you were a well-established, income-earning individual who was just wanted a free desk. Yeah. So the kind, the only limitation on it is people who would really benefit from it and who otherwise wouldn't be able to access it. Access it. And so. Um, when I was talking with Jordan the other day, he said that you guys were you're, you're nearly too many applications coming in to, to process. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Um, and just from my own background, I anticipated that it would be. Um, I think the Irish Times covered us very early on. The Irish Times are actually just up the road from us. Yeah. And once we had that really vibrant Mazer mural over the whole front of the building, uh, we've obviously gained a huge amount of attention that translated to the Times coming in and they're pretty much you know, one of the biggest media outlets in the country. Mm. Um, so that was just a huge influx of inquiries and people wanting to book their desks. And we have a certain number of people who just asked how do I pay straight off the bat like how do I get in there yeah. I have paid in advance of even viewing um, so yeah it's it's a huge amount of just dealing with public inquiries I think at the stage we're at now because we're so young and still defining ourselves that volume of inquiries will decrease as we have more of a public image yeah um, but yeah absolutely there's a huge amount coming in and so from that kind of um, response that you've gotten you think that there's there's definitely room for more more um, projects like this and more, yeah. more social workspaces. Absolutely, definitely there is. Um, especially if you see the quick turnover of how quickly that space went from being vacant to being something perceived as valuable mm. um, and how that started from just conversations and so quickly became something tangible in Dublin City. Um, certainly there is the potential for more spaces like this and I hope it would inspire the creation of more spaces like this even if it wasn't on the same scale 
Like you don't necessarily need to be working with a three-story office block. Maybe you have like a, a floor of a block, or, or you have some room. kind, a spare room, some yeah. kind of space to do something. And that's what a grassroots initiative is: is just people taking ownership of certain spaces mm. and using them. Uh, so you mentioned the mural outside. Uh, for for anyone who doesn't, who hasn't seen the tower building yet, it's covered in a. It's entirely the front and the side facade of it are covered in a maser, uh, multicolored, geometric piece. Yeah. Uh, it's very eye-catching, especially <laughs> in that part of town where mostly everything is just grey buildings. Yeah, we're actually, to our right is Apollo House, which was in the media very frequently around Christmas, and then opposite us is the Tara House, both long-term vacant buildings, mm. and our own building, which also was a long-term vacant building. Um, so it really, like, it's searing on, to walk down Tara Street and look at that building yeah. now. It's, you could not miss it. Uh, I love it. And it, it is. It's, it's great. It's a very clever piece of design. If you stand across the road and look at it, all the colourful blocks fall in on each other to draw your eye to the front door. So even from a design perspective, it's really interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely massive. That has been the biggest outward thing we could have done for ourselves in order to be like, there's something happening here. Mm. Um, so that in itself, also a lot of our inquiries just came from people popping their head in the door and being like, what's this? What's going on? The mural itself flew up. Uh, yeah, less than a week to get it up, was it? Yeah, we had some problems with Dublin City Council once we moved on to the Poolbeg Street side of the building. But uh, it was Mazer and two guys were helping him out as well. So they just did a massive amount of work in a very short space of time. They worked through the night towards the end of uh, putting it up. They were working from up until 2, 3 in the morning. Um, and yeah, originally they had crossed over the road and gotten up onto the roof of the Tara house to project that imagery onto our building, oh, mapped it on and then gone back and filled in the colour blocks. Uh, so that definitely helps with this, how quickly it went up. But it's, yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful mural that very quickly changed the aesthetic of the whole street nearly. Yeah. I think that just, it spawns out everywhere. As you, Once you come from the top or the bottom of Tara Street, it's the most obvious thing you can see. So could you see, um, could you see that you're obviously in very early days at the mm. minute, but could you see this project kind of spilling out into those other vacant buildings that you mentioned? Apollo House, obviously, yeah. God knows what's going on <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. But um, it was the Tara House the across Tara the road? House. Uh, the Tara House has very recently lodged an application to actually redevelop, demolish that structure and have, I'm not sure if it's office blocks or residential housing, but something is happening there. There are several units bordering us, which absolutely, yes, uh, we would see the potential in the future for those to become occupied um, by ourselves or, you know, tenants with a similar ethos or something along those lines. But, yeah. yeah. So maybe in five or ten years' time, we could see Tara Street as kind of new cultural creative hub? Yeah, I mean, you never know. I think it's impossible to anticipate how a city will develop, especially with the nature of how large-scale redevelopments happen now with things like the docks expanding mm. up towards ourselves and then being so the subject of, like, large-scale global economics in how it's growing. But absolutely, yeah, that's what I... That would be the dream. We're kind of at a stage now where I'm dealing with so many small things on a day-to-day -day basis, basis that looking in at that like long-term plan of how that street might develop as a result of what we're doing right now. It's not easy to see that at the moment, but that'd be the dream, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's that's about it for my questions. Um, 
Is there anything you kind of want to get across to people or anything um, like that? I would like to see more applications coming in for the scholarship program, okay. scholarship and incubation scheme. We've gotten like several really strong ones in so far, but I think the more I speak about it, the more people will become aware that that is like a really potentially great asset for them to take advantage of. So if someone was interested in that, they could check out the Tower Building website, have a look at the scholarship page and think about applying. That's pretty much it. Okay. Well, great. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming in. Taking Not the time to do that. Thank you.